0: Thank you for joining me once again on uh, today's journey, uh, on my quest for wisdom. Uh, today, I'm in Den Haag in uh, the Netherlands, and I definitely am bringing you um, two guests that I think you would find uh, tremendous wisdom in the choice they've made to uh, how to go through life. As you, uh, I don't re- often talk about it, but, uh, but, as, but as some of you may know that uh, I went uh, through a very interesting um, corporate life in my early years, ended up being a chief business officer of Google X, which is like a fancy, fancy title for uh, someone that works in technology. And throughout that journey, I uh, had the joy of working with some of the most influential people on the planet, Uh, whether business people, uh, you know, heads of states, sometimes royalty and so on. And you never see any of them uh, here on slow-mo, interestingly, Uh, because uh, with all due respect, of course, Uh, If they came to slow-mo, they will be talking about business and money and productivity and how you can push yourself harder and all of that stuff, which I have to say openly are not interesting topics for me, honestly. Uh, My attempt with slow-mo is to invite you to take some time to slow down and reflect on topics that really matter. And I think the topics that really uh, matter are uh, topics that are about us as humans, about what we can do to connect to ourselves, to others as humans. And I am hosted today at number five in Den Haag uh, by uh, uh, Princess uh, Laurentine uh, and Prince uh, Constantine of the Netherlands. In my view, I'm a huge fanboy and I'll tell you why. Um, They really, really saw through the restrictiveness of royalty to shine as humans in my eyes, a true story. I'll tell you what, how, how that started. Um, back in September, when I published uh, Scary Smart, uh, Prince Constantine is very interested in artificial intelligence. And so my dear friend, Sonia DePol, who is the uh, head of 1billionhappy.org here in the Netherlands, uh, basically contacted Prince uh, Constantine and asked if he would want to have a conversation around artificial intelligence, Uh, I was visiting my dear friend uh, Jimmy Nelson at his studio, and then walks in somebody, like a normal person, honestly. If I wasn't told that he was the Prince of the Netherlands, I honestly wouldn't have felt any difference than just a wonderful human being walking in, had a wonderful conversation about artificial intelligence, about happiness, about things that really mattered. And then he popped out of his seat and said, oh my God, my son is arriving at two o'clock and then, ah, I need to go to rush back. He walks out of the studio, gets into a very normal car and just drives back himself. I stopped for a few minutes and I said, this is the prince of the country. And then I just thought to myself, okay, maybe it's because a weekend or something like that. Next week, we were at Jimmy's uh, exhibition in France, uh, Jimmy's finale of his exhibition And once again, Prince Constantine walks in with his uh, uh, wonderful uh, daughter, Leonor. And we were sitting on a crappy Moroccan restaurant somewhere, myself, Jimmy, and the team. And they just sat with us, shared the meal, laughed, then walked into the exhibition with 200,000 other people. I promise you, the room was filthy crowded, just like two of us. And uh, I became a fanboy. I started to honestly, uh, uh, um, you know, stalk you on the internet. Uh, then I ended up with videos of you going out, uh, walking across tech conferences, just like one of us talking about technology and trying to help entrepreneurs. Then I saw videos of you in supermarkets, uh, driving your little blue Mini Cooper to go and uh, shop for normal, normal stuff and cook it yourself. Then I stumbled upon Princess Laurentine and all <laughs> <Another> of her, <laughs> one of those. All of her uh, constant attempts uh, to make the world a better place in child well-being, uh, you know, around the environment, the environment literacy, uh, you know, empowering women and you know and minorities and so on, uh, writing children's books. And I'm like, okay, that's not normally what I see uh, royalty do. Until I ended up with a, a, a um, quote that you said on your talk. Uh, um, when uh, on the Glo- Global Kids Conference in Stockholm, which where you were really trying to push for children to be included in decision-making. And you said, the reason why we're not including children in decision-making when they are supposed to be our future is because of our inability to be humbled. Now, I have to say, when I heard that, I got it. I think both of you have got life, to be honest, because if ego... Is the underlying reason for all of unhappiness and wars and conflict in the world? Then humbleness probably is the world is the way to fix the world. And so I am sitting today with you, uh, royalty of the Netherlands, and I don't want to talk about royal stuff. I want to talk about humanity, if that's okay. First, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for being who you are. It really is. I would say sometimes shocking to me, but it's definitely so refreshing to me to feel that you could make a choice that puts you in a place where your humanity shines more than your royalty. I want to start with the most pressing question that I had since I came here about this carpet. <laughs> <laughs> what I need to understand <laughs> this, uh, if, if, for those of, us, if of you listening, uh, I have a very green... Looks like wet grass, kind of carpet in the middle of the of the very refined, you know, old building that we're in. What is this about?
1: Uh, well, it's it's, uh, it's actually our son who um, who has a little business, and he used to uh, he used to go out and and, and buy um, kind of these uh, these drops drop products. So this is a collaboration of IKEA and uh, Off White, for which he wanted us to. Uh, to post out of the IKEA store at six o'clock in the morning uh, to get uh, first in line to purchase whatever he could because he thought he could do a a really good resale and uh, and actually uh, uh, as it says wet uh, wet grass uh, then uh, Laurentine purchased it from him so uh, oh. he made a, he he made a profit and we got stuck with <laughs> the green grass uh, the wet grass carpet
2: yeah and, and the reason I think the reason I purchased it from our son is that. Wet grass, we all know that feeling of wet grass. Wonderful. And number five is all about people coming together, thinking as humans in order to solve issues of shared concern. So you have to decouple your human thinking and your functional uh, thinking. And so for people to come in and to be on a wet grass, you want them to almost think, they don't have to express it, (gasps) oh, maybe I should have. I should take off my shoes.
0: Oh, that's so, so nice. So
2: it kind of tickles the mind to say, oh, what's that? Wet grass. Yeah. So that's basically what I need to be
0: informal. I need to be yes, human. Yes, I need
2: to be human. I need to be myself, but without talking about it because then it's too much. So I thought it was just brilliant. Wet grass. <laughs>
0: did, did, did you think he knew that when he was buying it that you would actually... Definitely get not.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's pretty um, hardcore on the... Making a good How business. old? He's now eighteen, but he was fifteen, I think. It is yeah, now. yeah. Savvy businessman already. A very savvy businessman. Yes, he even made it to uh, Scottish Entrepreneur, Young Entrepreneur of the Year with his team. Oh, did he? He set up um, uh, a, a, a socks business. Okay. And um, yeah, good sustainable business, good socks business, business and, yeah. uh, which he now uh, discontinued, and he's still, but he's still very much in. Uh, in in uh, sneakers, you know, selling
0: and buying. Yeah, that I, I am my daughter's in sneakers for yeah. sure. There, there seems to be something in yes, sneakers, he's, he's but he's I don't understand. So yeah. we are his logistics uh, back office. So <laughs> so we get the, the yeah you
1: know, we get the orders, we get the slips, we get uh, you know, and I now want uh, five boxes of Nike, uh, these and these brands, these and these sizes. <laughs> Can you please package them? And then we have to print the labels, cut them out, you know. And then, Bring them to our post office, which is.
0: Has he considered his cost of labor? I mean, like, he's highly. We 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 talked about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. He did first think of giving us a commission, and we wanted to be good parents and said, well, we'll do this for (laughs) free,
0: but we we have to reconsider by now.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's taken quite a bit of time and effort, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I I also have uh, noticed, if that's okay, that uh, Eloisa is quite popular on Instagram. So, you know, you appear to be on her uh, uh, page every now and then. And, you know, not a lot of young ladies have, um, you know, a prince and a princess to shoot in her Instagram. So how is that going?
2: I think that we, it's kind of, you constantly have to have a balance between giving her the face, you know, it, she, she should do what she wants to do. But at the same time, we have our own considerations, each individually, and so she cannot evade in in our privacy. Mm. So you can't. You, it's kind of a way to to dialogue and say, okay, well, what do you want to share with the world? Um, uh, I'm not really on social media, so that's not my world. Um, it's fine, and I and I admire her for doing what she does, but. Yeah, she has to realize that there are boundaries. So it's mm. really interesting to constantly have this kind of little conversations about that.
0: Yeah. So, so, so this is actually really where I I wanted to. So i just, just to make just add one yeah. thing.
1: So I'm, I'm rarely on her uh, social media, but I think what is really important, and this is something we also discuss. We do discuss with her and said, you know, if you want to do this, it has to be your story. So mm. in the moment that. Um, people want to use you to get to the royal stories, you know, stories about your uncle or about your grandmother or about. Then uh, you'll never be your own your own personality, mm-hmm. and uh, and so she's taken that very uh, very very well and very seriously. Obviously, she gets a lot of offers, uh, but she doesn't uh, she doesn't want to uh, use her her background. She sometimes using the other way around. She's basically I'm just a normal girl um I deal with this like everybody deals with their backgrounds um and I'm I do what I do and I don't care if people judge me for for what I'm not I just don't care and I think what is what I admire in her is that she um she, she doesn't she really doesn't care so if people talk badly about her and who don't know her yeah because they just don't know who she is she, she says well how and that's very much in line with your book oh, if, actually she, she also read your book. she liked it yes. but uh and but she was like this before she read the book. she says, you know why would I care about somebody's opinion about me that doesn't know me <laughs> and yeah. uh and 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 she's she's very
0: uh, consistent in that which i find i i don't have that in the same way that she has so. Well, so, so 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 that's actually so in in my fanboy moments i, I as i follow the whole family i find that it's actually quite interesting how you find that balance the, the idea of you know she can be on instagram she can be herself but there is a there, there is a point at which you know that there is a, a bit of balance that is to be struck and you do that very well and and in my mind i think i, I don't know how to ask this but there must have been a moment where either one of you or both of you said, we'd rather be human, just normal humans engaging in life. You know, we have the, I actually call it the burden of being royalty because it comes with a lot of responsibilities, a lot of restrictions. Most people don't realize that it's, you know, it it is, uh, um, you know, it, it it requires certain aspects of your life to be. Um, governed and managed in certain ways, but you chose to live a very human life. You know, you're engaging in in good good work for the world, engaging in trying to empower others. When did that happen? Was it always that way?
2: Uh, we, I think we both have our own story and, and obviously a shared story. I'm not sure it's really about a moment. I mm. think it's really more about a process and about a journey and about learning and about trying and then realizing that maybe this doesn't fit you. And um, I believe in the power of resistance. Mm. So by being who you are and doing what you do, you will always stumble upon resistance and people having different opinions. And then you have to realize with yourself, oh, oh, what does it mean? Mm. So I think it's more about all these different elements kind of coming together along the way somewhere and then you start to realize okay and then yeah trial and error mm. and then at some point things start to click and yeah you evolve so with my life it's really been an evolution mm. and um and i think that for me number 5 definitely has helped me find this neutral space where you invite people to step into a neutral space and also be themselves and start thinking properly as human beings. And that's really helped me as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's a journey. And um, for me, you become more and more perhaps who you were as a kid. Hmm. So that's where I am, I think, rather oh, than a certain moment. statement. a
0: mega statement. So, we, so, so you feel that you are true to yourself yeah. as you were as a kid.
2: I feel. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I feel quite. Uh, I think
0: that, that that's, that's a that. dream for a lot of people, <laughs> Espe- especially if you don't mind me saying, that uh, you know uh, you had a moment in your childhood or your teen, basically, where you had to go to Japan, which is I, I think for a teenager is a mega mega shock. Like you, and especially Japanese culture and Dutch culture. So so, which of them is the kid? Which which is the? How did that? change you how did that shape you
2: so first that was a choice that Mm. I my parents gave me the choice to go with them or not go with them Mm. and um, uh, and I I went with them I guess I like adventure Mm. Um, and um, so then I went there and indeed I I came into and the Japanese environment but also the French school that I chose Mm. where I my French was okay but not really okay for a school um, setting and um, yeah, so you're really down to you and feel very lonely and you feel sort of down and out. And then you realize that you have to make interventions and sometimes you plan them and very often you can't plan them and they happen, but you have to start recognizing them as an opportunity to make a connection with people because you're on your own.
0: Mm.
2: So you kind of make it happen. And um and I think you have to be alert to realize that there is signals around you the whole time that can help you in a new setting. But it's definitely been humbling, I think, there to be taken from when I was 16, from a hustling and bustling you know, environment, lots of friends, suddenly being on your own and then having to get out of the rabbit hole.
0: If you don't mind me saying, of course, with all respect to your highness, but These are normal human problems, you know, (laughs) right. It's I'm actually really interested to tell people that honestly, my, my, the reason I want the biggest learning I want our listeners to observe today is that, you know, you were the daughter of an important minister in the Netherlands. Uh, You know, you have a responsibility because of that, uh, you know, childhood if you want and you have the same sufferings that others suffer too you're lonely you need to make friends you're in a different environment you have to explore there are things that you're uncertain about you know i i don't know if people realize that i don't people i don't know if people realize when they're looking at a tv screen where someone is walking on a red carpet that those are real issues
2: but interesting maybe i can ask you isn't that it's strange that we find that so strange, isn't it? I, <laughs> I <laughs> mean,
0: I, would,
1: I mean, I would say, you know, if you look at people like Elon Musk and, you know, every, yeah. they're only people. Exactly. Humans. So, uh, mm. and you can also tw- uh, flip it. You can say, mm. you know, I mean that, that anybody can be anything. Mm. Uh, obviously with a lot of luck maybe and, 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 uh, but, um, and everybody is conditioned in some way, you know, we are maybe conditioned and, and yeah, I was born into this. So, I have every benefit I can get. You know, I'm I'm the most privileged person in the world, probably, um, and that comes with its own set of issues. You know, because then you have to if you feel res- maybe responsibility for things, or people expect you to do to do A, B, or C, and put you in a position where you're maybe remote, more remote from yourself. Mm. But that's not. It's just to, for you to overcome, right? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I escaped to. Because you know, maybe this is good for you to know, but in the Netherlands, you 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 there's basically just the king and 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 the 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 queen mom and the, the crown princess who gets paid by the state, and the rest basically is has to develop their own careers. So mm. we are free to develop whatever we do. My my brother was. Um, a banker and uh, and then a CFO at a big, a big company. So he basically developed himself in that direction. And, um, and I worked in government and for for consultancies. And so we basically that's already a way to stay relatively normal because, mm-hmm. you know, you get your 360, Evaluation do in you? Booz Allen Hamilton, you know, no. you do, so you do. Of course, um, you have to learn about feedback, and you know
0: that feedback is actually good for so, you. So there was someone at Booz Allen that actually sat Everybody you down. Everybody is three hundred and sixty, right? and didn't say, "Your Highness." And uh, uh, I, I, I hope not. So now, uh, no, no. So, that, and I was in
1: London, and then we went to Brussels. So we spent a lot of our time abroad, which makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Actually, for me, the big confrontation was coming back to the Netherlands. Then you have to come make a choice because in in Belgium, you know, we were. We were just normal citizens and in the, here in the Netherlands, obviously there's always this schizophrenic uh, situation where you have these these different different roles. Mm. And I think what it helps is just to choose, basically. So mm. you choose uh, for the role where you're spending most of your time. I and mean, most of our time is just being normal people. And, uh, that. and that's uh, and once you choose, it, it makes lives much easier. I mean, then you go to sub- super supermarket, you drive your own car,
0: uh, and, and, but but and you don't get interrupted by people, you know, wanting to take a selfie with you. And of
2: go. course, but it's, so, so I, I see it, so I am actually in the way that I work and, and the, the things that I do, I think it's a fallacy to, so we can, we keep the system of you have functions and then you've got people. Mm. so i don 't see I yes. really love the, the 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 fluidity of people in their functions. Everyone should just be realizing and that 's the humility to realize you 're just normal and you have a responsibility on top of that. so mm. the basis is everyone is human, and with one you put one function and the other one you put another function. But, and that's what I wanted to, I was saying, wouldn't life be much la- nicer if that's the starting point for everyone? And then we, don't ha- we shouldn't ha- make it so complicated <laughs> to start to be so surprised that, ooh, you've got people with a certain title who are normal. And I, my dream is to have a world where you can think properly, look at the environment and look at climate change. If our leaders realize my grandchildren are really the ones that I make the policy about and not separate in your mind, oh, no, now I'm a head of state or now I'm a leader and now I'm a dad, then wow. decisions would be much better. Wow. So that is maybe why I'm kind of struggling with making it so special about us being normal people. I think it should, that it, should be a
0: given. Well, well, it, it's it's everyone's dream that this is reality, right? But it is not reality, unfortunately, in the world. I've, I've worked with people who, you know, as soon as they bought their first BMW thought that they were kings and queens, right? And and I think the reality is that sadly our world is in a place where it does that separation between system and human, where it does that separation between title and actual contribution. It does that separation between connection to the, to the reality of humanity and position within, Mm -hmm. within humanity. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's, probably the opposite of how it, it, it should be in so many ways. Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's so royalty is a special thing because it have it, it's like the end of the ladder for mm. many people socially, but it's also just a role, right? So it's a role that you are bo- born into, but you have to fill, and you have to, and, and there's a whole set of mm. rules around it. And, and in a sense, that creates also a lot of space to do special things. You know, we are not yes. doing a lot of royalty stuff, mm-hmm. so it actually created for us a lot of opportunities to do to do good things because um, you you get access. Yeah. And, um, but it is only just a role. But people associate it with many more things. They think it's, uh, there's the, Disney did a great job in marketing royalty as something, you know, the white horse and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and something little girls aspire to with, with big dresses and all that, which, um, which has its function. It has mm-hmm. its function. Because people like to dream and all that, but it's a role. So everybody in that role actually will have to kind of, is, you, know, you know, the people that are active royals are much more uh, confined than, than we are. Mm. Um and we can we can we sometimes step in and then we we you know we get back to our, our real lives and work yeah. and, and we try to do it with respect for for where we come from and respect for the institution and all that. Mm-hmm. But the the underlying important value is we're doing this for for people. And you and if you can do that, then that's a gift. You know, there are a lot of people that don't have the the space to be able to to work also for other people. So it's it's a. Uh, I mean, everybody gets born with a, with a set of things, and, and you know this is this is where we've been born. Well, I've been born with, and you kind of. You, and you I got, just fell
2: in love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it came yeah. with
1: a yeah, the nasty package of love.
0: Yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask? As a child, there must have been a moment where, until that moment, you were like just a child. Like Playing around, not comprehending any of that. And then there is a moment where like, ooh, okay, I am not just a child, I'm a royal. Did, 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 do you re- recall that at all? Yeah. What was that about? It was when my mother became queen. Uh-huh. And then what happened? Then... How, how old, by the way? I think when it was
1: announced, I was uh, 10. Mm. Well, what happens is um, there's something of the innocence, of the naivety, kind of then disappears. And... Mm. And people, or at least I felt, or you know, maybe it was true, people start looking at you and recognize you for, for being something else than than I was as a kid. Mm. So that definitely was a was a defining moment, yeah. Okay, so love.
2: <laughs> let's talk <laughs> about, exactly, let's yeah. talk yeah. about yeah. other things yeah. in life.
0: <laughs> 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 love, to, 2001, uh, uh, if, I, if I may say, uh, even though I feel that you both uh, adopt a similar approach to how you want to do, do things, you're very committed, you take a logical approach, you're... You're invested, and so on. It seems that your interests are very different, right? So we have what's now quite a bit geeky now about artificial intelligence and technology and entrepreneurship, and so on. And uh, you, uh, Princess Laurentine, you're constantly in, uh, you know, enabling humanity, enabling dialogue, enabling you know uh, um, communication, enabling empowerment for women, for children, and so on and so forth. Uh, how do two people with such different agendas? Uh, fall in love?
2: I'm sure that you have another answer but (laughs) (laughs) so I think what there's a lot of things that connect us I think values but also I think the the I don't know the drive or the curiosity or to to challenge the status quo and to question but we question in a different way Mm. and but we both question and and we are yeah I think that, that that really is something that connects us. So I think that we the work that we do is there's is much more alignment than you think there is and I think it's always really about there are other ways to solve things or mm. there are other ways to do things. And looking at an issue, well how come we don't solve it? Well then you question the status quo. So we're both in this sort of disruptive mode but in different areas, but we yeah, talk a lot about do you? Yeah, the kind of things that ah, we do, and yes, we recognize yeah. a lot of things yeah. with each other.
1: Yeah, I think we are we are very very similar. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I think we both the common good is a really important driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. both are, as you say, disrupting. Not it's not about disrupting, but it's it's feeling that the conformity and you know the the status quo is something that is, uh, you know, and especially people that are. Defending conservatism, you know, is something we've, you know, we, I think we both find some sometimes relatively uneasy to, to be with. And, um, But I think the, our starting point is maybe different. Laurentine tends to start with the human. And I'm very much a systems person. But we are actually, it comes, it always connects somewhere. And I do think that to change systems, you have to start with the, with We have to start with people. So in the end, uh, we come together. But th- I think the natural... You know, you naturally will be fearing towards the the real connection with individual people and, yeah, and, and working and, that out. Yeah, whereas I tend to kind of go with the conceptual and then yeah. work my way down.
2: It's like making a tunnel, mm-hmm. so we you yeah. and you need the system and the human, but you do need a certain logic from where you start digging the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always unraveling the story behind the story and individuals and looking at patterns what connect the stories and then little by little you start to realize ah but this is the underlying issue Mm. so I work from the iceberg model and it's at the very bottom of the iceberg where you find the deep convictions and and all the issues that are blocking factors of the system and and I love delving deeper Mm. um into that, in in the bottom of the iceberg. I'm a journalist by training. Ah, And
0: um, I think- So you're looking for that, yeah.
2: Yes. (laughs) What's underneath and what's the why and what's the story behind it?
0: Yeah, so so, so system logic versus people logic, I think is, actually our favorite conversation, my favorite conversation before we started recording was the idea of how people make the system. And here in number five, what the whole idea is, we, you know, when I walked around, is to get people to sit in the right space where they become people and talk about the issues and talk about the topics. Can you tell me a bit about that?
2: Yeah, it's really based on the idea, I think, of of, of dialogue and dialogue as a process to solve issues. Mm -hmm. So not to just talk about it, but to solve them. And David Bohm is really um, uh, an example of someone who really put into words, well, what is this process of dialogue and what do you need in order to solve an issue? And it starts, of course, with the problem definition. Mm -hmm. And then it immediately says, well, who defines the problem? And if only the ivory tower defines the problem, disconnected from the lives of people that the problem is about be it poverty or people in debt or low literacy or whatever you have, you need to have the perspectives of the people concerned in order to really understand what the real issue is. Otherwise, the people from the ivory tower will only see the tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. and you start solving the wrong problems and you see it happening the whole time. So in order to understand at source what is the real issue, you have to have a dialogue of equal mind, where you actually be—I'm the one who will then help facilitate that all everyone is equal, where everyone gets on the wet, on the grass, wet grass, yeah, and becomes human. No one is fully right, and no one is fully wrong. Beyond and then effort. immediately you start saying, "Oh well, wait a minute, this is the problem," and then from there you start to actually de- de- design a process with the people concerned to start solving the right issues. So it's actually a very fluid and yet very mathematical process. Mm. I'm not at all into mathematics, but it's a very analytical process, but from the softness of perspectives rather than the harshness of positions. And if you, then suddenly the truth appears together and um, everything becomes easier. So
0: sort of leave your ego outside the door basically so totally. if you, if if you walk into number 5 it yeah. doesn't matter if you're a head of state or if you're a, the the person affected by the by the challenge you Yeah, n- everyone's you, equal everyone yeah. is equal
2: yeah and you need that and exactly as you say so some people you need to uh, lift the ego up because they have had a yeah. life where they've been they were constantly not heard and not understood and so on but their perspectives are really interesting. And with others, you just have to level the ego. So in the end, number five is one sort of ego management space. (laughs) And and it's lovely because everyone gets happy because Mm. yeah, everyone gets empowered one way or another and you start to really design the right processes. And, um, yeah, you see it really working like that. It's it's hard because you have to, you stumble upon resistance of egos and and convictions and patterns and yeah, through softness, a lot of things can happen.
0: That's incredible. What did I tell you guys about wisdom? So I I I see that the power here is that you use what you apply to your own personal life, which again, royalty is an ego. You leave the ego, you engage, you get things done and you bring that here. And and I want to start talking about Work, if you don't mind, if, if we're okay with that. So, is so, that
2: separate for you? It doesn't sound like it.
0: It's not for me now. No, for me, for me, my my life now is one yes. w- one big y- blurry unit. Yes, of sir, same here. Yes, yes. Right. Very yeah. blurry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there is so much that you do, but I think each of them requires a bit of our attention. So, child, you know, uh, um, child well-being, for example. Uh, women empowerment, minorities empowerment, and so on, uh, and and lots of the projects that you you do uh, around you know in the environment, around connectivity, around dialogue, the law, the work that you do, uh, Prince Constantine, Constantine on uh, empowering entrepreneurship, and so on. So, where do we want to begin? What do you want to ask? What do you want to pick? Uh, I want to maybe
2: something deeper than just themes. Um,
0: I, I, I I I'm actually quite interested. In the common theme across all of them, you seem to be very, very, very future focused. It's like, and I, if I, if I follow your work reasonably, you're between. There's something very wrong right now, such as the recent, uh, you know, scandal that happened in uh, in the in the Netherlands. But you also always go back and say, it's not that I just want to fix it now. I want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So you're constantly saying if i don't mind if i understood correctly the future can be better than where we're heading hmm. right so so let, let's take the example of that you know maybe share with our listeners a little uh, about what hap- what had happened and you know the approach you're taking to uh, the issue of i don't know what it's called the discrimination maybe against a few minorities and so on
2: yeah it's a scandal around childcare benefits um uh, in in the netherlands so i think in essence trying to get the concept right rather than the facts of the situation is that it's really ultimately solving issues always has to do about who is in power and who is the subject of the decisions mm. and when you've got this situation here of the government for many years telling making people seemingly fraudulent but they weren't actually committing fraud from the childcare system. So the government admitted and saying we were wrong.
1: In profiling, yeah. Mm. In
2: profiling people and 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 so on. Um, so if the government then wants to solve the issue, for the people concerned, the government is the wrongdoer. Mm. So the wrongdoer cannot really be the credible one to make the solutions. Mm. But the wrongdoer, in this case the government feels responsible for getting it right because they were guilty and they admitted that they were guilty. And then if you admit that you were guilty, of you want to put it right mm. because they're also good people. Mm. Everyone in the end is good, are good people. But in the perception and the belief of the people concerned, obviously the government in this case was the wrong who put their lives in misery for 15 years. So the government has to realize ah, but wait a minute, I am not the one, I need to be humble. I cannot be the one to be the one to be driving the processes for change. I have to give the autonomy um, uh, and the control of the lives back to the people concerned. Mm. And so the role that I take is in deep listening, understanding that the deepest problem you need to solve is the injustice that was done to them, that the control of the lives were taken away and that the financial issues are consequences of that. So the tip of the iceberg is the financial consequences, what we see, people lost their lives, uh, people lost their homes, people had children taken away out of their homes, misery, but much deeper is the deep sense of injustice that was done to them. Mm -hmm. And so what you then need to do is to, is to rearrange the relationship between the wrongdoer and the victim. Wow. And the system will always be defensive of its actions and saying, but we're doing the right thing. But they have to realize that the people concerned are really the ones, yeah, who have the right to say, Well, listen, you're not the one to organize the assistance now, because where were you all these 15 years? Mm. so it's a very fundamental shift in yeah power relationship basically and you have to slowly move it uh, towards equality but we're making progress it's actually starting to happen in a number of cities the local government has started to realize wait a minute we cannot be the ones coming up with the solutions because we we are the ones who did wrong
1: you're not co-creating it with,
2: and so we're co-creating, and and all I do de- is the deep listener and the, the kind of facilitator of the thinking and the, of the people concerned, so children and young people and 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 parents, and um, yeah, we're slow. It's really wonderful to see that slowly justice is coming back because yeah, because the 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 the, the victims are starting to be heard in the right way, and taken seriously and it's very sad perhaps that they need somebody with a with my stature or function or title whatever you want to have it to be heard and yeah. i ma- it makes me uncomfortable sometimes why am i needed and and yeah because they these people have absolutely they have wisdom if you talk about wisdom wisdom through life wisdom through understanding the system they survived despite everything and it makes me very humble and so perhaps maybe the lesson out of this is can we please start looking at other people for wisdom than the ones usually on top of the iceberg. Oh wow. That's yeah, it's very it's a bit conceptual. I hope that listeners understand, but um we have to start looking at other wisdom and and taking that seriously.
0: I mean th- there are so many layers of emotion in this and and I have t- I have to say I'm um, I'm silenced because I'm external to this story. But I, I believe that your your attempt is much more dignified than the typical capitalist attempt. If you want, in a in a typical capitalist world, if you know the victims were um, suffered damages, we would just go and say, okay, so how much are the damages? Here is a you know, uh, $200 million fund, we're going to fix the damage, right? But what you're saying is that the damage is not fixed with that. The damage is is, is really much, much deeper in the yeah. connection, in the human ability to get anything done between them. Because yes, you can give me back money, but how about how I feel? How about what went away? Well? You know, what, what what is uncompensatable by money? That's a very different thing. I think,
2: yeah, you're absolutely right. And you... It, I mean, I think the deepest dignity that was taken away is that they were not recognized as equal citizens, as people who had... And and in the end, the deepest uh, desire that we all have as human beings is to be recognized as human beings. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, just looking at people as victims is not bringing back that dignity. And you just have to connect understand and respect and and feel them and say wow and i'm in awe Mm. with what they went through but i will not cry with them because they're not going to get that life back i i think the deepest respect is that they deserve us to be respectful and saying my goodness are you wise or what Mm. and that is being recognized and the rest will follow from that and that's that ter- turn of 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 relationship is is what i really believe in and yeah it's um,
0: amazing yeah prince Constan- constantine from from the, the system's point of view we also discussed a little bit that's interestingly even though the mistakes happened uh, they were not deliberate attempts to be against someone it's that just that the system went out of yeah yeah um it, it, so, so, just for our listeners who may not be aware, the, basically the system uh, would would tend to profile certain people benefiting from childcare benefits uh, in ways that are slightly different than others. That was the the, the beginning of the crisis. But well, no, I think the the there's this the general thing is in the, in the Netherlands we try
1: to. Help people when when they are run into problems. So there's a whole elaborate social welfare system that will 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 also be looking after exemptions and try to find a, a way to support people that are you know that fall uh, between the cracks. So it's it is extremely elaborate, uh, but it also becomes complicated. And once you get complexity, then you start making mistakes. And then uh, and this is what happens. So people uh, maybe made mistakes, and it was misunderstood for fraud. And, um and and the government also comes is is asked also by the Parliament and by other instances you know you have to look after taxpayers money so if this goes you know if, if if there is fraud or if there are mistakes and the money is is doesn't arrive at the right people or it's a, it's misused you know the government has a as a responsibility to act so yeah. it's just in the way how it acted yeah. um and uh, it it turned out that they were um, punishing people uh, and and completely, um, disproportionately, and, uh, and that suffering was not acknowledged for, for many years. And, and that's what, so actually, basically what you're seeing is that it's a system or a bureaucracy doing what it what is set up to do, um, but there's very, dis- very little discretionary uh, power in the system so that people, uh, there's no one there that can say stop and no mm. one that can say, you know, uh, that there's no empathy in the system. Mm. And um, and that means that you know people that are that are asking for empathy who' saying this can't be done to me, this is not fair. And the system will tell you, well, that's the system. You made a mistake and this is where we're going down this route. And it's very unforgiving. And I think uh, with hindsight, we're saying, well, why didn't people stop this? And uh, why didn't the parliament do something? Or why didn't that? Or Why didn't the, 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 the judges or the, and, uh, or the civil servants? It's because everybody has a little slice of the pie and uh, nobody has the full overview and nobody takes uh, is accountable for the AO for just the for the that desert, little bit, yeah. Yeah. but not for the outcome. Mm. And I think this is, I think, one of the things is that, you know, so what, what Laurentine keeps doing is like, there is an outcome of all of this. And you have to look what that is, you know, what is the result of, of all of these little steps. If that result, all the little steps can be fine, but if the result is bad, then someone needs to be, you know, look at this and say, you know, this we have to stop. You know, mm. something has to change.
2: And I think it's to add to that, I think <clears throat> all of in, in whatever system, if a system is fragmented... You can never see patterns. If you stop seeing patterns, where you say, "Well, wait a minute," we now have individual X and Y and so on, and having similar issues, where, for example, in where many people suffered from, where they had, um, um, you know, they had a little bit of, they owed a bit of money, and then suddenly it became, I don't know, twenty thousand euro. Mm the discrepancy between something that was 100 euro and then suddenly 20,000, a judge should have said, well, wait a minute, that's weird. Mm. But one case, you think, okay, it's fine. If that judge would have seen 10 cases, you start to get signals and saying, something's not right here. So I, what I'm really deeply puzzled about is why do we not see individuals and individual cases as NS1 as is that all okay? But it's only until we see 10 in a row, then we suddenly say, ooh, there's a there's some there's a real problem. Mm. And what I think my drive is that, and where I think also in the government, a lot of different also government agencies are starting to work towards, is to make the government human again. Yes. And to start realizing that every case can be a signal to learn. How about real lives, and to start understanding that even one case can give you a pattern of where somewhere the system perhaps has not um uh, is not doing is not, not getting not the overview yeah. and not mm. performing. Mm. And that we're jury rightly saying where the complexity of the rules, that one rule is going against another rule or another policy, where it actually gets people into trouble. So I think that we're coming into a time where we need to start looking at that. And the hope is that indeed and I'm working with also a number of government agencies where they're really serious about trying to get this right.
1: It Mm -hmm. actually comes back to the word humble, Mm. uh, because if you assume the system is right, and so this was very much in the system, and also it's a bit in the Dutch nature, you know, this this couldn't have happened here, you know, they would say, you know, in a country like the Netherlands where everything is so organized, you know, this cannot happen. Well, if that's your basic assumption, then it's always going to be N is one. But Mm -hmm. if you say N is one, how did this happen? This, and it's actually, if I'm hum, more humble and, and I say, well, it could be that we as a government or as a system, or we are, we're not perfect, there might be something and it might be a one-off, but it might actually be a pattern. So, and it's when, when you start bringing this empathy back in, or you, basically humanity back into system, then, then there, are, there should be more people that at a certain point say, wait a minute, is this a signal? Or is it just a one-off case? And if you think it's a signal, then uh, there has to be authority to act. Mm. And that, I think, is where, where it's been lacking. But I think it's we, we, well, we should be working towards that. But that's across anything. I think if you are a CEO, you have the same thing. You're know, you you're too far remote from the work floor. And if you hear things, if a client, if one client at a, at a drinks party or tells you, you know, I got some really bad service from your company, um, you should take... Yeah, you should take care. There's should, so should many, right. so few people that will give you feedback anyway. Yeah. Uh, so if you get feedback, don't be defensive. And say, yeah. you know, that can't happen in my
0: company because we are the best of the Yeah. No, or, or, and, start, and, and, start and, being, yeah, and don't. Being, don't don't say but, you know, 99.99 others are okay. I think yeah. that this is the problem yeah. with the mathematics yeah. really is that you're, you know, when, when you try to look at the fitting line of multiple points and one of them is very, very different. Like it, we normally mathematicians will say it's a mistake. So ignore that result and yeah, just yeah, yeah. have the fitting line between the other results and it's yeah. working fine. While people who are actually looking at systems and analysis should say. Yeah, but it is it is a very significant case for that one dot. Yeah. That one dot really suffered. And can I and look I think, at
2: that? Yeah, and uh, I think that the drive has been on scale... We've been putting in management KPIs of outcomes and so on, where we we where for example people wanting to help people they don't have the time to actually listen properly. Mm. So if you don't listen properly and you think I kind of hear the story, you want to hear the story within your frame of mind, and then that frame doesn't the story doesn't fit your frame, and then you say okay, it's then you Mm. get into what Constantine is saying, then you say well of course we're right because you're in a hurry. So the slowing down of the slow-mo I love because that's what you need. And But we need to get the right protocols in order to get everybody in a row to start working that way. And if you're always looking at scale or large groups whereas the lives of individuals are individual lives then you can see how one doesn't fit with the other because one is looking at groups and the other one is looking at individuals mm. so you really have and and I'm a you know call me crazy perhaps I think you can actually build systems from here and I think this scandal will help give us the urgency of drawing lessons from it in order to design systems differently. And mm-hmm. I, ha- I am hopeful um, uh, that it, it, yeah, it can work that way.
1: And I, I think, um, so now I'm going to be the f- I'm <laughs> going to flip, you are now on systems, I'm on the individual. I think what, what at least works for me <laughs> is when, <laughs> I, when I feel that I get defensive, because I also get defended. You know, if somebody criticizes my, my organization or something, you know, there can be this reaction. I say, you know, it can't be true. You know. mm-hmm. That is such a flag you know, yeah. I and mean for everybody that should be a flag. So if, yeah. if, if you get defensive, then immediately you should, you should somewhere, you know, you should, you should write down, okay, this is something yeah, I need I to need work to be, on. Why it. am I defensive about this? Mm. It's, and it is always an underlying thing, it's an underlying insecurity or there's something, uh, but that's when you have to watch it. So mm-hmm. if the government, when they get defensive about something, then it's because they don't have authority Mm. Because if you get defensive, you say, "Well, wait, I don't really know. You know, if you're fully aware of what's going on, you don't have to get defensive. You have the answer, and you can you can be comfortable and, uh, with you know with with taking criticism. Yeah. Um, but if you don't, then and, and so so that's a red flag,
2: so and I think w- what you're saying, actually, it's really about the autonomy of mind. and it's really about um uh, why do people get offensive because maybe they're fearful that their boss, they are giving them the wrong KPIs. Mm. And then they kind of say, oh, but well, then my boss might think that I'm wrong. Mm. But I believe that in the end, if you connect again, people are defensive in the end. You're you're kind of saying, I think, because maybe their moral compass is telling them that something is wrong, but they try and sort of sort of make it, make it, I don't know, smaller and, and making it disappear because they're afraid that they might be I don't know, seen as ignorant and so on. I'm a great believer in ignorance.
0: Uh What does that mean? mean? What do you mean?
2: I'm a great believer in saying, you know what? I don't know. Because if you don't know, you're going to ask a question. Okay, well, what is it that you don't know? So we're constantly driving people on what they know instead of what they don't know. And if you're driving your people in your team or in your organization or to say, actually, you know what? Look within yourself what you don't know. You're actually making people that curious kid again because that was the kid that didn't know and didn't have all the answers. So I think that people who have the answers, they will always defend all the answers that they have, whereas Mm. the people who don't have the answers and who don't know, they're the ones who have the questions. And that's where I think the real wisdom lies. But we have to start building our teams Actually saying, you know what, go and look for within yourself what you don't know. And that is where you become very humble. And so me working with the parents or the children or, or it's if I co- I'm constantly forced to say, I don't have the wisdom. I just have to listen for the wisdom and start looking at patterns. And I tell you, it's a very happy place to be because mm-hmm. suddenly I don't need to be the one who knows it all. But it's like a revelation you actually start to be the one to start to say oh but wait a minute wow that was great but how what how about the one puzzle? i'm the i'm the making the one who makes the jigsaw puzzle so i start to say your wisdom and your wisdom and your wisdom together makes a full picture so i don't need to have the
0: individual wisdom you don't feel the need like a Rhetorical question, Princess Laurentine. You don't, you don't, you don't feel the need to tell someone, but I know, and you don't, and I'm going to tell you everything because I'm the boss here.
2: Not at all. Oh That's a God, very unhappy a...
0: place to be. I know, because then you have to defend it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You you keep you keep talking about listening. Hmm. What what is listening?
2: What is listening? Very good question. It's a strange word. To listen is. To kind of hear, okay, this is going to sound really sort of spooky and and sort of our son calls me spiritual. I'm not spiritual. Um, I don't know what spiritual is actually, Um, but he jokes with me about it. Um, I think listening is to hearing words in the way that they're used, but also hearing the words that are not used. So in between the words... I kind of hear words that are not there,
0: not said but
2: and not said, but they're kind of
0: exist within
2: exist and you kind of feel that people are holding back and they make choices to use certain words, and words have to do deal with, deal with relationships so for example, in the work that I do, um the system people will talk about saying, Ah, we have to um uh we have to use people's input for the things that we do and i say okay that means that you are the owner and you're the boss and their input you use for Mm. them so there is a lot of there's a universe in that sentence wow and then i start to see saying ah okay that means that you think that you're
0: uh, you're you're god and they're coming in to give you some input
2: yes Okay, so that's not equal. So mm. my basic thing is about equality. Okay, well then we have to start unraveling what you've just said.
0: I'm going to be very careful when I speak <laughs> around you. <laughs> you. You better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in an interesting way, it's this is something we use a lot in technology now with pattern recognition and contextual recognition of things like translation and so on. It's because there are omissions that are as valuable as... Mm. Uh, you know inclusion, so you can sometimes say things and you understand something. But if you're missing a word, you understand something very different. Yeah. And you know if that word is said with an intention that basically positions them, as you just said, it's quite uh, quite interesting. C- can I go to that for a for a bit, like Techie Prince? Uh, <laughs> so so you're you're very very um, committed. To the mission of more entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and you know, and and you're a, a big believer uh, in tech and maybe a bit of AI as a part of that. Why is that? I needed? don't believe in tech. Mm-hmm. You don't. No. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I I believe in human ingenuity
1: mm-hmm. and in innovation, and I I see how. A lot of that is not actually making it into society, into the market because of all kinds of, you know, problems. Mm. There might not be capital, there might not be talent, or there might not be, you know, there might be rules that stop that from happening. So that's what concerns me, mm. um, and I see people that are struggling to bring. An idea to life, and I think you know everybody uh, should be enabled to get those ideas into the world. Uh, and then, of course, there are things that we don't want in society to happen. And then there are you know there are governments that set rules, and and so, so it's not that every entrepreneur can do whatever they want. But I do think that um, uh, society is better off if we have people that are curious, and that that curiosity gets a space, and that you can get actually to to develop your your dreams. And uh, and I think that's entrepreneurship. Mm. So, so this is what TechLeap does. It, it tries to work. well, TechLeap is 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 funded by the government. So the government uh, fundamentally believes that what we do is the, is right. Otherwise, it wouldn't pay for us. At least that's what I what I think. We are an independent foundation, um, but the underlying idea is that uh, there there are many global challenges we have, many challenges for the Netherlands, and uh, and we need. Um, innovations new companies technologies to to deal with those and those companies will not or those technologies will not have any impact if they don't somehow find their way into society or into the market mm. and uh, and startups are the vehicle to bring those uh those ideas to market so that's basically how i came to it and if you then <coughs> you then start to dig into that you start looking at like, what's holding people back and what do you need and then you know you can you can venture out into all kinds of things and in the end, in the end it comes down to you know uh, do we have sufficient density of entrepreneurial communities where those entrepreneurs are supporting each other, they're investing in each other, helping each other, and you really don't need much of a government. The government needs to kind of step back, you mm. know, educate people, set the right rules, and then let most of that happen. And then of course, look at, you know, at things that you've been writing about also when that entrepreneurial system starts to develop things that are not desirable, that you are you know, well-informed and that you can actually regulate. Um, mm. um, so that's basically the context
0: in which i'm working which is incredible again i mean uh, even though you talk about technology i think there's that constant underlying bit of people 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 let's enable people yeah. to do that let's, in it. let's take government out of the way if it's the, stopping in the way and so on and so forth so now
1: government I mean, isn't it can be an incredible force for good it can also be an incredible force of you know bureaucracy and just strain it can be forced for bad like everything like technology and, uh, and so, but government needs to know the technology and know, you know, where it works well, and where it doesn't, uh, and needs to understand, you know, how you interact with the market so that the market can do good things. Mm. And uh, and we don't, we're not always like that. Governments sometimes kind of make, are very obstructive to ideas coming up because those ideas might change the sitting order. Mm. And uh, we tend to de- like to defend uh, the sitting order. Whereas uh, maybe that's just something we have in common. I think you pointed out already is that. We believe that the sitting order is not is not ultimately the, best. the the best space. Um yeah. and, and that there is improvement and that improvement, you know, we should seek that.
2: And I think that you're also addressing another important issue that I think connects us is this notion of systemic change, where you should always look at the integrality of things and the connectedness. So it's interesting when I keep hearing the word human. And I think, yeah, but what about the environment? Mm. And uh, very often, these two issues are disconnected from each other. And, and that's where things go wrong. And because systems are designed to be fragmented, that's when things go wrong. Because then you start very to wrong. say, we're going to fix this for humans. Well, And that's how our whole system got developed. And say, so, oh, yeah, the environment is kind of an afterthought. Mm. Whereas, well, we shouldn't be turning things around and we start looking at the integrality. And we sometimes have discussions about, okay, is fine, for example, on technological innovations, but are we actually doing the right thing in the bigger scheme of things? So is, is it tech for good or is it tech to make us lazy and... Uh, obese and unhealthy and not getting off from our couch or is it that we develop I don't know technology where we stop interacting and talking to each other so we lose empathy I I, 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 I I
0: love the project that you did at uh, the airport at Schiphol I mean, there was a video online about people uh, yeah. actually playing yes. board games. Yeah. I love that. I
2: mean, yeah. you look at, for example, I'm a big fan of of Sherry Turkle's book, mm. um, uh, Rejoin, Rejoin Reclaiming Conversation: The Power of Talk in a Digital Age, where she clearly talks about a power of a, a crisis of empathy we're in, mm. and the moment you're in a crisis of empathy on a scale, we're constantly at war. We're gonna, f- we're not gonna understand each other anymore. So. I think we should have to realize in whatever we do and whatever innovation there is you should always remember the bigger scheme of things and the integrality of things so interesting when I keep hearing the word human I'm like yeah human but in the scheme of the environment mm. let's not forget
0: mm. we're not mm. super all of all of yeah. being combined all of being as yes. one
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, princess laurentine uh, you 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 um you told me the story that when you were uh, eighteen, or maybe eighteen years ago, uh, you had to tell someone. It's about the same. Uh, eighteen years ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You, yes. Oh, I, th- I thought eighteen <laughs> no, years no, ago I'm she just was ten. He's kidding. Ah, okay, he's so. kidding.
1: <laughs>
0: Ooh. 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 Now you're pushing it. No, no, come on. <laughs> come on. Let it pass. <laughs> so, um, uh, that you had to push back on uh, on on someone to say I choose to live a happy life. Hmm and uh, you know at the end of the day i i always try to have uh, a bit of conversation around happiness at the end of uh, of every podcast so maybe share the story and and tell me what happiness is what are your biggest tips for happiness
2: who so yeah the basically the story was that i was writing my first uh mr finney book
0: yes we didn't spo- talk about
2: mr finney yeah, tell me fine. about mr it's finney fine. yes i like him Thanks. You can have him, this little, <laughs> little stuffed animal. Um, so, Mr. Finney, I think, is kind of an alter ego. And it was a I way know. to get a voice uh, out there, but tentatively. So, inside a character, which is always more comfortable, because then it's not about me, but it's really about the character. And I was developed, I, I wrote the books and amazingly illustrated by my deep friend who is no longer with us, Si postuma. And he's a character that basically discovers the world by asking questions Mm. and coming to the truth and wisdom through questioning. And Mm. um, so there's a lot of me, a lot of myself in him. And, um, And then somebody actually said, gave me all the reasons why I shouldn't be doing that. And I told that person, well, you know what? I plan to have a happy life, and um, this is what I wanted to do. Mm. And so giving people pushback, especially people who you love, is not always easy, but you have to choose for that. And I think that sentence kind of came out of my mouth, I guess because it came from very deep from within, that that is ultimately who I am. Um, And actually saying, stop, you have entered my feeling of autonomy, and uh, I'm willing to go a long way to accommodate other ways. But this is what I need for myself. And um, so I guess happiness is that you dare to be align- find alignment between the values that you hold and the things that you do and the way that you relate yourself to the world around you. Not above anything, but also not below anything.
0: Mm.
2: so it's kind of I guess happiness is kind of alignment for me amazing
0: for you Prince Constantine it's a
1: difficult question You know, what is happiness
2: now, what is your happiness what is my happiness
1: <laughs> when am I happy um, so happiness is in somehow there's a comfort thing in there you know that I can be happy if I'm comfortable but I was always a bit more happy when it's when it's in motion, and when I know things are, I can actually contribute to something. So, I'm. Um, if it's stagnant, I'm. I don't. I'm not. I can be happy in the moment, but I feel there's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. So I need to. Um, I'm, I'm happiest when I feel that I'm doing stuff that I really can contribute to. And, uh, um, but. Um, and I think I'm growing um, also I think as an individual every day and um, um, also by understanding much better uh, how other people uh, how they how people tick and how every person has these kind of deep deep underlying issues and and everybody, we're just living together in a world where we see like little bit of each other maybe the top of this iceberg and uh, and we don't know what lays behind and I've f- Find that I'm also through Laurentine, kind of a, I am exploring much more now. You know what is what is behind that, and you know, and also in my company, the whole, you know, the whole discussions around inclusiveness and and diversity are are extremely profound and uh, and helpful also to understand much better. Also myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, where am I coming from? Why am I why am I suddenly you know extremely impatient? It's my absolute worst worst character trait and i would and if i see it in my kids i tell them don't go there you know, <laughs> you know i don't know how to get rid of it i'm impatient and it, it's i just i really do not like it i would like to be a much more patient person mm. and 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 I, this is when i really think if i get impatient i, I just wonder where does that, does that come from mm. and then i'm not happy so i'm trying and i'm feeling that i'm I'm becoming more patient, and, and it's makes me it makes
0: me happier. Yeah, and, a, a, age, um, age helps a lot. I can I can assure it's you. No, that it's, so not, it's a It's not. point in time when you are like, think, yeah. I don't things, think no. it's. I don't think it's
1: age. <laughs> I think it takes. Uh, it takes work, uh-huh, absolutely. and I think it yeah. takes. Um, it also means um, because why am I? You know, why do I get excited about something? Uh, That's it's a very it's, interesting question. Um, but, and as you know, in the positive sense, but also especially in the negative sense, why does it happen? And then. I think in your book, you write something about uh, the kids crying in the airplane. Um, mm. and then why would that upset you you know why you know who cares you know as a kid crying of course i can't sleep maybe but that, that this kind of takes you back to a deeper self where you, you know, maybe your youth or um and and to understand you know you know when i get we get upset you know to understand you know that this is really something that the voice in your head is telling you mm. and uh, and then you can overcome that uh that's a that's a happy moment when you start thinking okay you know, I understand where this comes from, and I and I can actually start dealing with it.
2: And I think maybe to to just add to that, I think happiness. I was just when I was listening to you, I think happiness is when you can you have the peace of mind to bring up images beyond the current situation with, that you're in. So if you have the peace of mind to take you to your own imagination. So being in an airplane with crying kids and you're trying to sleep and that you somewhere find a peace of mind that takes you out of that situation and maybe you're kind of imagining yourself somewhere else, then suddenly the crying kids become a completely irrelevant fact yeah. and that you're somewhere else. So while I was listening, I think it kind of, I realized sort of maybe happiness is is helping, is, is when you're able to use your imagination again and float out of the situation a bit, or to have the imagination to be in the situation. So Mm. to start seeing, Ah, this is a good place to be in. And oh, this is not a good place to be. And I want to be in another place. And then allowing yourself to draw that image. And I'm a great believer that you can actually steer your mind. And I've actually done that. Um, uh, thanks to a neuropsychologist who I I asked when I was unhappy about, very, very deeply unhappy about something, about feeling not included in my flock. Mm. And she started, I said, I want to explain my, I want to understand my brain in order to get to another place because I have my, I plan to have a happy life. Mm. And this is going against that. And then when she said, and I said, can I actually create a flock in my own mind where I am happy? And she said, absolutely. And then for three months, invisible to anyone, I just imagined, kept on imagining my flock. What, what makes me happy? What makes me happy? And now my, my mind believes in this, mm-hmm. and I have my happy space. Mm-hmm. And it's such, a, it's such a richness. I'm so grateful that somehow my mind has allowed me to, to have that. And that's, I guess, what yeah, imagination does, and, and why writing. I love writing yes. because you can just make words appear on page. He can, he's he makes great drawings. I, I like words. He, he also uses words, but yeah, I think imagination helps a lot in creating happiness.
0: Yeah, it's, allow- it's allowing the brain to uh, to find a different space than where it wants to stay and nag. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I like the
2: word now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, well, happiness for me has been this honor of an incredible conversation with your smiles, with your humbleness, with your uh, very, 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 very wise words. Uh, I know you don't like me to say that, but I have to say, uh, blew me away. I think humbleness, humidity, leave the ego outside, be human, listen seem to be a superpower. Actually, Mm -hmm. I'm witnessing it uh, as we speak. So I'm very, very grateful for your time, very grateful for your hospitality, very grateful for your humanity, for believing that we can do better in the world. Thank you for being here.
2: Thanks. It's been wonderful, I think, with your questions sort of shaping your thoughts and giving it words and and actually doing this together which we don't do very often we never do we this. never do this is that
0: true <laughs> no we know so yeah. it's uh, it's
2: been great sitting here I, and having yeah. these kind of conversations I think, together i
0: think you you do you do amazingly together so you should, you should <laughs> well, do that it, very that's often
2: that's good after 21 years <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <we>, uh, <laughs> yeah thank you so much for having me and for everyone listening I don't know what to tell you other than, uh, first of all, seek wisdom everywhere, because uh, sometimes wisdom comes from the lives that are different than yours. And I have to say that approach to humbleness uh, just shines in everything around me from the uh, wet grass carpet to every word that has been Uh, said here it is definitely been one of my favorite conversations I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did so go do what you have to do click five stars and tell everyone in the world around it and so on Uh, but while you do that I think uh, there was so much to learn uh, in this conversation today about how what life gives you should never define how you're going to go through your life I think the choice of how you uh, can find a happy life, can be so hidden in places that are uh, are are very different than, from, than the point from which you began. So why don't you just take a few hours this week to consider that, to consider where your life is and how you will choose to have a happy life. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how busy you are this week. I think you will always find a few hours to slow down. I love you all for listening and I see you next time.